And uh, while you're getting ready, get your Bible. I like to have people read along. I want you to follow along. I want you to see these verses. While we are looking for that place in the Bible, I want to just tell you this morning that what we're about to read is the account of Moses. And he is at the end of their journey in the wilderness, and they are about to cross over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. They've spent 40 years in the wilderness after having been delivered as slaves into freedom, coming out of the land of Egypt to cross the Red Sea and into the wilderness. But they spent 40 years that should have just taken 40 days. They spent 40 years wandering, but finally now, the old stubborn unbelievers have died off. The new young generation has uh, risen up and they're ready. And they got one old man, Joshua, who's going to lead them across, praise the Lord, the Jordan River into the promised land. Moses can't go with them. And so Moses is giving them a little um, uh, pep talk. Hallelujah. You're going to get a little pep talk this morning. Uh, Moses is giving them a little pep talk before they go into the land. And what he's doing is he's causing them to look back over the past 40 years as they prepare to go into the promised land of God. And uh, he says something very important to them. And what he shares with them is a theme, a principle, that is a thread that goes throughout the entire scripture. And you and I are experiencing that thread, that theme this morning. This message is called, Called Out to be Sent In. Called Out to be Sent In. Deuteronomy 6 and 20. When your son asks you in the time to come, saying, what do the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments mean, which the Lord our God commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out from Egypt with a mighty hand. And he brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land which he had sworn to our fathers. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's the one problem with digital Bibles. Sometimes they like to read themselves, which is fine, except in the middle of the message, you know. So, so all right. Praise the Lord. When I first started uh, preaching and pastoring uh, 43 years ago, we had to deal with kids kicking the back of the pew and making a lot of noise. And ah, they were, you know, it was in their nap time and everything. So mothers would have to quiet them and cup them and strangle them and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> so we don't really have that problem. Churches have nurseries now, but, but you know, pastor can't get a break. Now we got cell phones, we got devices, and they're fussing and making noise during, but at any rate, I digress. Let me get back on track. Praise God. All right. The Lord brought us out from Egypt in order to bring us in to the promised land. You see, Moses is telling children of Israel, I want you to talk to your sons. I want you to teach them in the generations to come. So God wants all future generations to know that his freedom has two steps in its process. God calls us out in order to send us in. Two steps. There's the coming out 
and then there is the going in. Now hear me. We're talking about the children of Israel coming out of, Mo, out of Egypt, and Moses had been sent as God's deliverer, but this principle had already been used in Moses' life before he was leading them while God applied it to their lives. How many of you remember when the Bible says Moses, at about 40 years old, had this call of God? stir in his heart to deliver the Hebrew slaves. And he knew that he was descended from Hebrews. He knew he was a Hebrew. And it says he went down to the land of Goshen and he tried to uh, deliver the slaves. He saw an Egyptian beating a slave and he fought him off and ended up killing him. And uh, the, uh, the uh, Hebrew slaves um, saw that and instead of embracing him, they rejected him. And now Moses is afraid that it's going to be found out that he committed murder and he flees and runs away. His attempt to answer the call of God is a dismal failure and he escapes, he leaves Egypt never to go back. And for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, Moses takes up sheep herding in the Midian desert. Amazing. 40 years after that life of privilege, he was the prince of Egypt. He was the adopted son of Pharaoh, raised with the best education, everything laid out in front of him, access to the wealth and the power. Talk about a life of privilege. Moses had it. And now he's an old broken down shepherd for the next 40 years. Absolutely amazing story. But God had brought Moses out of Egypt. Before Moses could lead the slaves out of Egypt, God had to separate Moses from Egypt so that he could get Egypt out of Moses. Can you say amen? Because you can't face down Pharaoh if you're still under him. Are you listening to me? You see, those slaves belong to Pharaoh, who is a, who is a picture of the devil. And those slaves represented every sinner on the face of the earth. It's mankind. And so Pharaoh owned those slaves. And no matter what advantages or education or position or influence or good intentions Moses had, there was no way he could fulfill the call of God to set those slaves free because the one thing that kept them bound was the will of Pharaoh. And so God had to get Moses out of Egypt in order to get Egypt out of Moses. So Moses wouldn't continue to depend on Egypt, which could never fulfill. So you and I today need to know that um, it's good to have education, position. It's nice to have friends. It's great to have three people you can call before you're going to step out in faith into your new calling or new ministry and going to go act on what God's told you to do. It's wonderful to have the pastor stand behind you, have the church stand behind you. But let me tell you something, that I don't care what you've got, how many people like you, how many confirmations you've received. When it comes right down to it, there's none of the assets here in this world, even the Christian assets, that can cause you to overcome and fulfill what God's given you to do other than God. Only God can make you into the person he's called you to be. Familiarity with Egyptian culture had given Moses the confidence that he could free the slaves. He felt, you know, I can do this. I, I, I'm the man. I'm a prince of Egypt. But he had failed. You see, God called Moses while Moses was still in Egypt. 
Are you listening to me? He called him while he was in Egypt, where he was surrounded by the privileges and the resources and everything he had. So why then did God have to remove him out of Egypt before he could empower him? If he could call him in Egypt, why couldn't he just empower him in Egypt? Because Moses was depending on his culture. He was depending on his environment. He was depending on the resources that were familiar to him. He was depending on his connections and all the people and all the juice and the influence that he had with the government. He figured, well, this is reasonable. I could see myself freeing the Hebrew slaves. I could see myself talking my stepdad into, into letting the slaves go free. But how many of you know there's not a one of us or ten of us together that can talk one sinner out from under Satan's grip? Not a single one of us. If God doesn't do it, it'll never happen. Can you say amen? You see, the reason why God had to take him out, he could call him while he was in clear water, but he had to take him out of clear water to anoint him. That happened to me. God called me in clear water in 1971, but in 1975, he called me out of clear water. It took me 1,500 miles away to develop the anointing and the call in my life. And he didn't just do it with me. He didn't just do it with Moses. He did it with the Apostle Paul. He did, it with just a, he did it with John the Baptist. He did it with almost every prophet and every man and woman of God, separated them from their familiar surroundings that they relied upon in order to empower them to do the calling he gave them when they were in that environment. See, God calls you out. But before he sends you back in, you need to have an experience with him. Can you say amen? You see... God was with Moses while he was in Egypt, but Moses wasn't with God while he was in Egypt. And that's one of the big problems with many Christians today. They have gotten saved, but they've never come out of the culture of the world. Now listen to me. I'm not talking about that fake holiness that churches beat into their people for years about we don't want you to dress like unsaved people. And by the time they were done, they looked like Martians. It was ridiculous. You could tell the Christians everywhere because they ran around in get-ups that you could... You know, you can easily spot them. Well, there's a believer. But that's about the only thing about them that, uh, that, that, that you know, you can tell was a Christian. Because once you poked them or cut them off on US-19, you found out they were very much still a part of the culture. So God was with Moses in Egypt, but Moses wasn't with God in Egypt. And Moses couldn't get with God in Egypt. Can you say Amen. God could be where Moses was in Egypt, but Moses couldn't be where God was in Egypt. Listen, the ministry is in Egypt. That's where the ministry is. We get called while we're right in the middle of the harvest field. We're called in the harvest field. The apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was called in the harvest field. But God said, you need 14 years on the backside of the, uh, the Arabian desert. I need to percolate you. I need to develop the anointing. I, you know, I'm not saying to you this morning, because some of you might be feeling like, I don't know if I have 14 years. But at any rate, I digress. It's an allegory, okay? The point that I'm making is that we need to regularly come aside, apart and separate from the environment that we're supposed to impact. Churches today are losing 
They may be gaining people, but they're losing the power of the Holy Spirit because they, instead of coming out from under culture, they're doubling down and depending on culture. They're using the culture of the world to try to make worldly people feel comfortable in their churches. Are you listening to me this morning? It's not going to work. They may like your church, but it's not going to get them to heaven. Are you listening? And you and your neighbor and the person that God sends you to talk to, the more you spend time trying to relate with them, the more you try letting them know, well, I'm just like you. Oh, you know, I sympathize with you. And look at me, you know, uh, um, we're really not so different. As long as it's about you identifying with them on a cultural level, they're not going to get saved. They may bond with you, but they're not going to bond with Jesus. We need to get you out of the way. And the only way to do that is get you out into the wilderness. We need to get you out of Egypt. Are you willing? Are you willing to leave? You know, when he left Egypt, he left everything. Left the name, left the money, left the, uh, hey Moses, how you doing? Moses, what's happening? People bowing before him, acknowledging him everywhere he went. That's hard to walk away from. It's hard to not go where people know your name. Again, I, I apologize. But that's why we go to our favorite tavern. It's why we go to our favorite bar. We go there because everybody knows us. And we think that's where our ministry will be effective. That's where the anointing's going to move. No, that's where you're going to feel accepted. That's where you're going to... And, and if we keep preaching the gospel that it's all about you being accepted, the church is heading away from the power of God instead of into the power of God. Somebody's got to come away. Someone's got to be willing to become uncomfortable. Someone's got to be willing to abandon the culture that makes them comfortable to go to a place of barrenness where there's no comfort so that you can find the holy ground, so that you can see the burning bush. There's no burning bush in Egypt. Listen to me. There's no holy ground in Egypt. Moses could have stayed in Egypt and said, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. You can, listen, you can open your veins and bleed four courts, but you're not going to talk God into moving his holy ground in Egypt because it's not his culture. Are you listening to me? God is in his kingdom, and you've got to come into his kingdom. The Bible says that Jesus, John the Baptist, and all the apostles preached the kingdom of God. Jesus was so simple about it when he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should find a great treasure. And instead of saying he pulled it up out of the ground, ran home, and stuck it on his mantle place, the Bible says no. He buried it back into the ground that was found and ran home, put a for sale sign on his house. Hello, church. Put a for sale sign on his house, sold everything, sold his car, got on his bicycle and, and rode five miles down to where the plot was, took the money and bought the field. He bought the kingdom. He might have spent the first couple nights laying in the grass without anything, but he was with the treasure. Are you listening? Are you willing? Are you willing? This is what it takes to have the power of God. He is not going to anoint you with the 21st century culture of America or any other nation or any other culture on the face of the earth because that's Pharaoh's kingdom. And you've got to deliver people out from under Pharaoh's domain. So stop 
trying to show them and convince them how loving and how nice and how wonderful you are. Get with God and let God deal with them. Listen, some of you were led to Jesus by people you wouldn't have crossed the street to talk to. In fact, the few Christians, the, the, I mean, one or two Christians that I ever met that tried to talk to me about Jesus before I was saved, I don't even remember what they said when they were talking to me. It was like sitting and listening to a, a dog barking in my face. I had no idea what they were talking about. I couldn't wait to get away from it. It was weird. So I didn't have a good experience. Nobody related to me. I got saved alone in my bed one night. See, God saves sinners. God saves sinners. It's not about you and I. It's about you and I getting out of Egypt. Let God bring you out. We're about to enter into a 21-day fast. That fast is a time of turning aside and coming out into the wilderness. Now, the wilderness gets a bad rap. I feel the wilderness gets a bad rap. And um, I, I realize it's a barren place. There's nothing out there. But that's the point. Are you listening? It's the point. The wilderness gets a bad rap, but the bad rap it gets are from Christians that are living in the wilderness but not coming to the burning bush. There are a lot of Christians living in the wilderness, but they won't get on the holy ground. They won't take the shoes off their foot. They won't get into the presence of God. They just keep pushing along, being faithful in their drudgery when all they need to do is find that burning bush and get before God. Get into the presence of God. I am casting a vision in your mind. I am appeal. I am preaching to your heart this morning. I'm trying to paint a portal. I'm trying to open a door in your spirit so that you can see what lies ahead of us. Three, four weeks from now, when we start to take our step, God is calling us somewhere. He called Moses out of Egypt before he could send him back in, and he's calling you and I as individuals and as a congregation into the presence of God where you will live in sublime comfort for the rest of your life. Never have a care. You'll be happy. You'll wake up every morning whistling. No. He's going to wrestle with you on holy ground while your, sh while your shoes are off. He's going to scare you when he says, throw your staff down and it's going to turn into a serpent. He is going to tell you to do something that's going to take the breath out of your lungs. I, I can't do that. I failed. I fled. I can't go back to that place. There's a bounty on my head. Uh, I'm on the wall in the post office. <laughs> that experience with the Lord, God's going to say, I've heard all that. I knew it all in advance. And all right, if you need a crutch, I'll give you your brother to help you out but you're doing what I told you to do. Did you hear that? That's what, that's what happened between Moses and God. God said, 40 years you've been out here running up and down these hills with these sheep. Would you like to know why you're here? Would you like this to end? The Bible says he saw the burning bush. You know, it doesn't say that there wasn't a flickering light 10 years before off on a hill in the background. He just didn't bother to turn aside. The Bible said he saw this thing and he turned aside. He went after it. How many times has the Holy Ghost been like a flickering light in your per peripheral vision and you won't turn your head to look? You won't open your ear to listen? God is saying, come to me. 
turn aside. I have been listening to the prophetic words that have been coming out of this congregation for months. And I have to say, I could just about put 95% of them in one basket. Come to me. 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 Gee, do you think God is saying something? Does anyone think God is saying something? Do you think that that's just chocolate sprinkles on the service? So that we go, oh, the Lord moved today. This is not a funeral parlor where we go to see if the body's going to move. Uh, do, are you listening to me? We shouldn't be coming to church to see if we're going to have a good service. It's not about having a good service. It's about moving from point A to point B. It's about hitting those relay points. It's about saying, I am here today, and a year ago I was here. It's about making progress. It's about hearing what the Spirit is saying and doing it. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Now don't get confused. I'm not mad. I'm just preaching. Hallelujah. There's a difference. You say, I don't know. You, 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 you seem like you have an attitude. All right. I, I do. I do have an attitude. I'm mad at myself. I'm angry with my own wasting of time. I am frustrated that the devil uses every bit of hesitation in your life and mine to keep us from the things we're crying out to God for. When you are the one who has all the power, you are the one who has all the authority, you say, yeah, well, I wish I was the one that had all the money too because then I'd probably, no, if you had all the money, you'd, st you'd be worse than you are now. <laughs> I know what my wife has said to me for years, when, when she talks to God, she says, you know, when it comes to publishers, clean house, Lord, try me. Try me. I can, I can handle it. I can do good where others have failed. She's the one person I think probably could do good. She'd make, she would make wealth look good. <laughs> Kathy would make being rich look good. And, and, I, I can tell, and I have been on my face before God trying to tell the Lord that. Lord, you know she'd make it. You know that woman. And the uh, Lord's like, you don't think you're going to get anything out of that? I said, oh, yeah. No. I'm just saying, bless your humble handmaiden, Lord. He called us out to bring us in. You can't go back to Egypt and get those slaves out from under Pharaoh if you're still under Pharaoh yourself. Listen to me this morning. It's natural to rely on the familiar environment that you were raised in. It's normal. In fact, it's the way God created the world. As I said before the service, the Lord created the garden and its resources as an environment to contain and to give man support. And so God created all things to be supported by their environment. So it is natural for you and I, as we collect around our familiar family and our culture, what is culture but nothing more than uh, um, what we have grown familiar with over the years, what we have instituted as a way of being comfortable and living and expressing ourselves. It is our natural 
chosen environment. That's what culture is. If you look at the culture of the world today and you don't like what you see, you don't like what you see coming out of Hollywood, you don't like what you hear coming through the music, if, if you think there's a opposing messages and confusing, let, let me just say to you, the devil didn't cook up that culture and impose it on fallen Adam, fallen man. We created that culture. Culture is what people create out of their familiar desires. Don't kid yourself. And Christians share in it. If nothing else, they support it with their amen by relying upon it. But listen, it's natural and normal. As I said, it's normal for us to rely upon our environment. And by environment, I'm talking about people that like you, people that accept you. That's your comfortable environment. That's your go-to environment. That's where you go when, when you, you know, want to step out and do something. You go and find people that you know will step out with you. Nothing wrong with that at all. But if you're going to be in the slave-freeing business, you better look a little farther than culture, even Christian culture. You need to go out where it's barren. You need to go out into that wilderness where you're alone, where there are no distractions. And what is a wilderness? A wilderness really is just simply a state, a place where there is nothing to rely upon and nothing to distract you. It's a void. And that's why people don't like it. It's why people hate it until they find the burning bush. Then it's holy ground. Then, you know, you let some churches take control of it after that, and they'll build a city right there on that spot where the burning bush showed up. But the fact is that God is calling you and I to holy ground. He's calling us not to walk out of culture where we're alone and isolated, because when he anoints you, he sends you right back into the middle of the flow. He's not going to send you out into the middle of nowhere where you've got a shack on 50 acres and no contact with any people. Then you can have you start your internet ministry. <laughs> a lot of people got these internet ministries today, you know. It's a virtual ministry. They're not really in touch with anybody. They're just spending all day long arguing and chattering and, and uh with people in Singapore and, and uh, Chicago and, and Moscow and wherever else, and they think they've got a ministry. Are you listening to me? You know, the Lord talked about our neighbors. God talked about our communities. We're in this community. This is where the ministry is at, but we can't get the ministry out of this community. It's the spiritual atmosphere of this community that people need to be delivered from. We need to bring the power of God from the wilderness Hallelujah, from the burning bush here. That's our vision going into 2019 is come near. Come near to me, says the Lord. It's not that God wants you out of Egypt. It's that God wants you back in Egypt as his representative with his power, with his anointing, because that's what those slaves need is they need somebody who's been with God. Can you say praise the Lord? Close your Bible, stand with me this morning. You know you could squeeze so many. 
uh, little rabbit trails out of this message. It speaks so many things. And I'll just leave that to you and the Holy Spirit. That's the only point that God wanted me to leave at your doorstep this morning.